This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. I understand that a lot of people want to look at all the issues involved here. And if you want to go back, what happened with Harrison? What happened with Le'Veon Bell? What happened with Antonio Brown? Le'Veon Bell's issue was not with Mike Tomlin. Le'Veon Bell's issue was with the NFL's franchise tag and those sorts of things, and with the organization itself. We'll see if that cashes in for him. But the Antonio Brown thing, I don't think it was necessarily an issue with Tomlin that he didn't didn't like him, but that he just got too big. Too big for his britches, as they say. And as I told you yesterday, in case you missed it, because our start time was different, yeah, you can look at some of the things that Tomlin did to enable this kind of behavior, but everybody has a line. Brown was not allowed to cross it. He showed up Sunday fully expecting to play. Well, I don't care if I miss meetings. I don't care if I didn't attend practice. I don't care if I didn't bother to return your calls or texts. I don't care if I was too cowardly to call the coach himself. I had my agent do it. I don't care that I didn't show up for the MRI that the Steelers scheduled for him. They called his bluff, said, oh, your knee hurts? Well, let's find out. He still showed up Sunday thinking, Hey, I'm A.B. I'm the mass singer. I was on Dancing with the Stars. I can leap tall buildings and throw furniture out of skyscrapers in a single bound. I'm here to play. Tomlin said no. And it wasn't just a meaningless game at the end of the year. At that point in time, they had a shot. By the way, the Browns were 10 yards away from putting the Steelers in the playoffs. One incompletion, one bad pass to Jarvis Landry, one bad call by the officials. He fully thought, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't have to show up like everybody else. But as I pointed out to you yesterday, and I want to reiterate this because I think it's important. I know people want to blame the cloudy weather today on Tomlin. That's fine. Go ahead. Separate topic, but the Steelers had nothing to do with him driving 100 miles an hour down McKnight Road. That had nothing to do with anything. The Steelers had nothing to do with him throwing furniture out of a 14-story condominium in Miami. This guy is a sick puppy. This guy is an issue. He's a walking issue. And that kind of behavior, calling a journalist a racist, threatening to break another journalist's jaw, now calling Ryan Clark and Uncle Tom for doing his job, 
By the way, that has a lot of people upset in the black community. D'Angelo Williams calling out Ryan Clark for, quote, telling tales out of school. Well, Ryan Clark isn't in school anymore. It's not like he's dishing on, oh, so-and-so cheated on his wife. He's talking about stuff that happened while they were teammates. That's his job now. He didn't cross any moral lines. I mean, it's pretty clear that Antonio Brown has to go. The Steelers are smart, not to knee-jerk. You can't trade them now anyway. But they'll have that window in March when it would be cap as cap-friendly as it can be, which will be a couple months before the draft, give or take a few days, so that if you're getting draft picks in return, then you can utilize them in 2019 because they're going to need them. Now, even if they use that number one to draft the best college receiver in the draft, chances are their pass game is going to suffer a bit. But here's a couple things. And I said this, I don't care if Antonio Brown was a choir boy. They need to run the ball better and more consistently. And they need not give up on it. And they need not give Ben complete latitude to check out of every running play that's called. That's one way to enhance your passing game if you don't have Antonio Brown. That's got to improve. And again, I say that even if Antonio Brown wasn't an issue, they didn't run the ball enough. And I realize Connor gets hurt. Maybe they have to look for a number two running back. Jalen Samuels is fine at what he does. Maybe he's fine in general. But that's one thing to think about. And we can project all kinds of trades. I know Patrick Peterson, I'd love to have him. I'd make that in a heartbeat. What can you get? By the way, tomorrow, our guest is going to be a writer from USA Today. Just yesterday, he wrote an article in USA Today talking about the possibility of what teams might be in the market for Antonio Brown. Nate Davis is his name. He'll be on the air tomorrow at 1. But it's not too early to begin thinking about your 2019. You're going to need James Washington to step up and show a lot more than he did. Vance McDonald needs to stay healthy. Chances are they will have to draft another wide receiver, not one necessarily, but you can get a pretty good receiver in the second or third round, and you got to run the ball better too, but at all costs. And this is not a knee-jerk. I've thought about this a lot. There are certain lines that cannot be crossed, and oh, by the way, you can have a sit-down with A.B. and a come-to-Jesus meeting with him. It's not. It doesn't matter. He's going to be 31 years old. Look at the stuff he does. Forget about the football-related stuff. What sane person drives 100 miles an hour on McKnight Road? And what sane person is upset because Ben says, let's run another play. Let's run that play again, A.B. You ran the wrong route. 
Or everybody thought Ben was upset over not being MVP. Guess who was upset? Guess what may have been the trigger for all this? You think Juju's the MVP and I'm not? I'll show you. This is rational behavior from a 31-year-old? Ain't ever going to change. Get him out. Sarcastic Sword joins us on Saverin on Sword. Uh, sports Sword. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like taking the sword, Sword. No, I'm putting it back in the sheath. I don't want you to hurt yourself. Oh, uh, yeah, I got other ways yeah. to do that. Yeah, that brings me to happy and healthy underlined New Year to you. Please. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, the only thing I can think of is that on Friday when Tomlin said uh, for A.B. to go get an MRI, A.B. body meant go M.I.A. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the letters got mixed up. If you went up to Antonio Brown and said, why do you think you can get away with everything like you do? He would look at you and say, because I can, yep. and I do. And for the first time, maybe by not playing Sunday, he ran into a wall. It may not have been a you know an issue, as you said, with Tomlin, but I think when Coach Tomlin sees that film of uh, Antonio playing around with Harrison while Tomlin was uh, given his press conference, that that's going to take it to a new level for Tomlin. He's not going to be, uh, whatever he is, he's not a guy that's going to be made a fool out of. And I think uh, A.B. crossed the line with his coach there. Uh, for I, think, sure. I think more importantly, Sword, I think that he crossed the line with his teammates. Yeah. Because ultimately... I mean, Tomlin said he would survey the veteran leadership, but you've heard a lot of uh, Cam Hayward said publicly yesterday um, that we can't have this. Uh, and and uh, as I've said many times before, yeah, I'm not going to uh, take Tomlin, uh, hold Tomlin blameless, but I, we, you know, hear all this conversation, oh, this is terrible, and last year guys are opening up their big mouths. Well, I still think that leadership within the locker room will have more effect than anything the coach or even the owner can do. Yeah, he took the words out of my mouth with the MVP award. I, I would bet you that if he had gotten that, A.B., that is, none of this would have happened. Yeah. Uh, these prima donnas, uh, whether it's T.O. or I mean, you take guys like Larry Fitzgerald or, or, or Rice. I, I mean, some of the most professional guys on and off the field uh, with their teammates are, are just such a joy to watch their careers, and to see a guy like this who's, like you say, 30, 31, going on 13, is really pathetic. And, and I don't want to get into personal things, but for him, for the children he have and the example he's setting, I, I think it's a horrible thing. Stars are made sometimes when there's room for them to get on stage, and, and whether it's Washington or what he may possibly become with his size and all, who knows? But uh, that's all part of the game. All the things I look forward to watching as as things go on, and still trying to get the Cleveland game out of my 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 throat here. Uh, but I'll, I'll leave that for another time, uh, Stan. But uh, uh, look forward to talking to you through the playoffs. A lot of great games coming up, and as long as the Pats, the Cowboys, and the Ravens get knocked off, uh, going to be looking forward to the Super Bowl as well. I hope no one wins it. I, I think it's called off. Uh, and everybody can enjoy it. You know, eat, find another way to eat nachos and, and dip it in cheese. Thank you, Sword. Take care. Thanks, Sam. All right, we're going to have a lot of conversation about it. more. A lot, a lot of you have comments, and I want to get to that. We'll talk about it with Guy, with Jerry Dulac. Um, I do want to spend, and I have a thought about Mike Munchak. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Change it. Turn on face. 
Michael Lidwell has been very clear. He is in no rush, wants to be thorough. Obviously, an obviously it's an important decision. Just doesn't want to do anything rash and maybe jump at a candidate. So he is taking his time, but there are plans to bring back some candidates for second interviews. Notably, Mike Munchak, the Steelers offensive line coach, described to me as a dark horse candidate here, but someone they like a lot. Well, there's been an awful lot of connections between Pittsburgh and Arizona, as you know. The Green Bay Packers announced that they have received permission to talk to Munchak about their head coaching vacancy now that Mike McCarthy is out there. Let's answer the trivia question first, and the question was, Antonio Brown first led the Steelers in receptions in a season in 2013. Who led them in 2012? And the correct answer, Heath, Heath Miller. He led them in receptions. Brown was second. First correct caller was Taylor in Wheeling, West Virginia. He wins the gift certificate to the Carlton Restaurant, purveyors of fine meat and fish in downtown Pittsburgh. Mike Munchak is a highly sought-after candidate. We know that he's interviewed with Arizona, maybe on his way to a second interview. Now Green Bay wants to talk to him. We hear that Denver's interested. This may not work. And it may seem awfully obvious, but before I would worry about what I'm going to do with Antonio Brown, because they've got months now, well, months, too, to figure out what they want to do with him, nothing has to be done right now, I would go to Mike Munchak and say, look, we are going to promote you to assistant head coach, and we're going to pay you not in a title, but in real dollars. I don't know what those dollars are. I don't know what they're paying him now. But I would pay him commensurate with assistant head coach duties. And while I don't know that Mike Munchak would necessarily be considered a, quote, Lombardi-like disciplinarian or a Belichick guy, he does command an awful lot of respect. So there'd be three ways that you'd be helping yourself. Number one, you keep him around. Number two, you keep him around and you continue to coach a very good offensive line, one which he helped build. It still needs to be better. And oh, by the way, one that will take a lot of coaching next year because you know what? I'd be willing to bet whatever that Marcus Gilbert and Ramon Foster are not going to be on this team next year. You know, we talk about cap savings and all that kind of stuff. Well, Foster's a free agent. He's 33, and we've seen B.J. Finney, although they've got a deal of contract with him. There's no way B.J. Finney's going to make as much as Ramon Foster has. Number two, nothing against the guy, but I pointed out to you last year, before the drug suspension, that Marcus Gilbert has missed over 25% of the games that he's been eligible to play. It's even higher now because of the knee injury. We don't know what the knee injury is. He's in his 30s. He's making six, seven. Matt Filer did a pretty good job. And if it's not Matt Filer, you drafted Chooks Okorafor to eventually be a starter, may have a higher ceiling than Filer. 
Either way, you have pretty good depth there. So why bring Gilbert and or Foster back? They've been good players. Foster's been a real good leader. But time waits for no man, nor does the salary cap. So Munchak's going to have more coaching up to do. And if those two are gone, you can bet that they'll be bringing in another offensive lineman for Munchak to coach. So you have the benefit, A, of retaining him, B, continuing to coach the offensive line, which is going to need some more coaching. Not that everybody doesn't constantly. But you're going to have two new faces generally in the starting lineup with Finney and Filer or Okorafor and new players coming in. And number three, the assistant head coach title should not just be a title and should not just be a way for him to earn more money. It should be a way for him to be a sounding board for players. Right now, I mean, an assistant coach is going to be deferential to the head coach. Got a major problem? It's eventually passed up to the head coach. And not that that Tomlin should be stripped of all authority. I'm not suggesting that. What I am saying is that if you increase Mike Monchak's responsibility, not just in offensive line play or in game planning, but in overall control of the team, he's a guy that players respect, not just the offensive linemen. He's earned the respect of every player. I shouldn't say that. Maybe there are some who don't, but most players in that locker room. And oh, by the way, that's not to say that the players in that locker room have lost respect for Tomlin. They may not have approved of the way he handled Antonio Brown. But it's my feeling and my understanding that most of the players still believe in Tomlin. They play hard for him. So it's not to say that Tomlin's lost all control. You better bring a new sheriff. I don't buy that. You can buy it. I think he could have handled the Brown situation differently. I do not blame him for Le'Veon Bell. I told you that earlier on. Le'Veon Bell's beef was with the NFL and with the franchise tag and with anybody, the Roonies. Greg says, just what I said. He tweeted out a couple minutes ago, would or should the Steelers consider giving Munchak a significant raise and make him associate head coach, head coach in waiting, if you want, if there's no cultural change in 19? Well, I think there will be a cultural change. And maybe... Maybe all you have to do at that point is eliminate the source of the cancer. And the source of the cancer is Antonio Brown. There are some others. And we can talk about potential changes. I look at a guy like Vince Williams. Vince Williams is a guy who's very one-dimensional, I'm not trying to make you into Ryan Shazier or James Ferrier, but he can stop the run and rush the passer a little bit. What I cannot abide is the all-hat-no-cattle attitude. He's got a tweet for everything. He's got a big mouth, yip-yapping. 
you know what? You're a very average player, maybe average to below average. How about getting some cattle before putting on the hat? He's symptomatic. It's not just the big-name stars. It's guys like him. Yip-yapping and this, that, and the other, and tweeting out. and Hey, do something. I will admit that in 2017, he did a better job than I thought he would. After Timmons left... But he's exposed once Shazier's not there. And I don't blame Williams for that. He's not that good of a player. What's that about children should be seen and not heard? Mediocre players should be seen, do what they can, and then shut up. I didn't see LJ Fort tweeting out a lot of stuff. I mean, he's not Jack Lambert, but he's a better player than Vince Williams is. Charles says, Stanley should make Mike Munchak assistant head coach and give him a significant pay bump to keep him. If Tomlin continues to flub up, Munchak is your coach. It's Chuck in Bethel Park. I Again, I don't know that I would necessarily make it a, well, you're the head coach in waiting. I do think that Rooney needs to put Tomlin on notice. I've, I've been saying that for two months now. You're paying attention to me and as opposed to other people who don't know what they're talking about. But I don't know that I would frame it and say, okay, Mike, uh, you'll get the job. I think one thing we have to ask, and I'm going to ask Jerry Dulac about this because he knows Mike Munchak. I don't know that I'm convinced that Mike Munchak wants to be a head coach again. I think he just wants to coach. I think he likes developing guards and centers and tackles and tight ends. He likes the game planning. planning. He likes the scheming. He seemed awfully burned out when he was fired in Tennessee. Now, maybe that was just the Tennessee situation. My point is, oh, he'd become a head coach somewhere. Maybe he'd be happy to be an assistant head coach. Place he's familiar with, he likes, he's got family here. It makes sense. To me, we'll talk about it with Guy Junker, Jerry Dulac. That's all ahead. Saverin on Sports, ESPN Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Stan and Guy, hey, love the show, dude. That's absolutely right. It's Stan and Guy back together again. Here's Stan Saverin and Guy Junker. Absolutely. When we're talking about the, our darkest hour, okay, we're talking about playing to win a game and needing other dominoes to fall uh, for us to be in the tournament and, and, and the guy not communicating, that is a real element of discussion, certainly. Mike Tomlin yesterday talking about will he seek the input of veteran leaders on the team. Um, I'd like to see who those people are. I don't think we've seen enough or heard enough from them about what they think about A.B. Uh, Cam Hayward pretty much said what he had to say yesterday. Other people have talked about it. Time for them not to step forward in public, but to make their feelings known directly to Antonio Brown. One tweet here, K. 
Kevin tweets, Tommen's reputation moving forward hinges on how he handles this A-B fiasco. I would say this. It's not out of Tomlin's hands, but ultimately, this is going to be Art Rooney II's call. I mean, from this point forward, now, if they trade him what they get in return, that's going to be Kevin Colbert. But what they decide to do, this is not really in Tomlin's hands. Uh, Kevin goes on, he said, after that dumb and dumber Instagram post, Tomlin doesn't have many options. You can't keep an idiot like that regardless of his ability. Guy joins me now at Stan and Guy Day, brought to you by Shenarovich, Shenarovich, and Fishman. They got your backs, not your wallet. Guy, you were at the press conference with me yesterday. Um, just in, in general, your overall take on what transpired. Well, in general, Happy New Year, and I'm, I'm glad it is a new year because really, sports-wise, 2018 sucked around here. I mean, the highlight of the year would be the Penguins beating the Flyers in round one of the playoffs. What else happened, whether you're talking, you know, Pitt, Penn State, West Virginia all lose their bowl games. Frankly, they've all had disappointing seasons. West Virginia now needs a coach. Half of Penn State's going to the NFL. Pitt didn't win a single conference basketball game. Uh, you know, this, this, the year started with the Steelers losing a home game to Jacksonville in the playoffs and ended with this fiasco. <laughs> so, yeah, happy new year and onward and upward. Um, well, I was just saying to you before we went on the air that I, I think in a way, I know it was uncomfortable for Mike Tomlin to have to talk for 29 and a half minutes about Antonio Brown, but he sort of got off the hook also about, you know, he, he expressed the disappointment in not making the playoffs, but there were so many other things that had the Antonio Brown thing not come up to be questioned about this year. Uh, you know, you go all the way back. I remember listening on my way into Channel 4. I did not cover the game in Cleveland, the opening game. It's pouring down rain here to that Connor fumble that results in a tie and sort of the disbelief and all the talk in the locker room the week after that game at whether you feel good about a tie, bad about a tie, you blow a two-touchdown lead with seven and a half minutes left. They win that game. They're in the play. Not everything else that happened all year, forget. If they hold on and beat the Browns in the opener, they they win the tiebreaker over the Colts, and they're in the playoffs this weekend. Ravens. What? You said the Colts. Uh, no, they would have well, been a wild-card team, right? No, you. you I, I, the Colts were the number six team, and they would have been ten and six with the Colts. And right, I thought you meant the Ravens. Card, they would have won the division. Yeah, well, they'd be in the Ravens. playoffs anyway. One over those, over well, a half a game. Might have been the Orioles for as far as one of those Baltimore teams. Yeah, but I mean that. that yeah, that's one small. I mean, you can pick any game, any any mistake, the interception at the end of the Denver game, or the Grimble fumble earlier in that game, or the uh, Juju Smith-Schuster fumble. I mean, that's so many things. But to me, the most uh, the thing that he didn't have to talk about, and I think that should haunt him forever, is keeping Ben Roethlisberger on the sideline in Oakland after he had been medically cleared to go in the game. There's never been a good explanation for that. And and I think that you asked me what my general thought of the thing was yesterday. I don't believe anything that comes out of that place anymore. From the coaching staff, from the ownership, from the locker room, I I think ninety percent of what we're told is absolute lies and manufactured stories. It took forty eight hours to come up with the X ray machine excuse. I don't believe there was ever a knee injury last week at any point. I don't believe it. Maybe there was. 
I don't believe it. I think the whole thing was the MVP thing, the beef with Ben at practice. Ben covers up for him. Tomlin covers up for Ben. I just think, you know, you have guys in that locker room on Monday and honestly saying they were disgusted at the situation, and it's why they were so flat when they came out in the first quarter that he's standing on the sideline and he showed up after missing for four days and expected to play, and, and by being deactivated, he's still getting paid. They're ticked that he got paid for that game. And, and who called him the Kardashians yesterday inside their own locker room? It, it, it's a soap opera. It's a mess. Ryan Recker and I are doing our reports yesterday, and he says to me, he goes, this is amazing. He said they didn't even make the playoffs, and they're the number one story in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, you, the Steeler fans and Steeler media used to laugh at the Dallas Cowboys and at the Cincinnati Bengals at all the soap opera, the distractions, the off-the-field crap, the legal stuff. Well, that's what they are now. One thing about the knee injury, um, and I, I did buy that because it was Brown, because I was asked about this, could they have gotten in trouble for filing a false report with the league? You know, you're supposed to be honest. Brown came to them and said, my knee hurts. So they said, okay, well, let's get an MRI. Which is the first reason why I don't believe it. Yeah. You don't think Brown told him that? Why wasn't it? Why didn't he mention it in the press conference Tuesday after the game? Why wasn't it mentioned after the game? He had that monster game against New Orleans and his knee was hurting? Well, I think that that was Brown's way of saying, um, well, I, I can't uh, show up because my knee hurts. Right. That's why I don't believe there was a knee injury. No, there, I, I don't think there was either. But uh, what I'm saying is... Oh, you're saying that the, the, the team thought is, there was. Uh, yeah. that it, right. well, I don't know if they thought there was, but they said, okay, your knee hurts. We'll set up an MRI. He never shows up for it. What I'm saying is, no, I don't think that there was anything wrong with his knee. Most people who cover the team and talk to the insiders, including members of the training staff... One member of the training staff was asked about Antonio Brown's knee. He just rolled his eyes. So the point is that Brown used that as, as an excuse, excuse for not showing. So I said, okay, smart ass. Let's get an MRI and see how bad that knee actually is, for which he, he never showed. I mean, to a certain extent, you're the head coach of an NFL team. You've got to take the company line. You've got to protect certain information. We laugh at NHL coaches. Uh, he's got a lower body, right side lower body injury when he's really got a left shoulder injury. I mean, stuff like that. I understand some of that. But this, covering this team has just become, and if you're not really in there with somebody feeding you the correct information, I don't believe anything anybody says over there. Yeah, I, I understand. Uh, and and, I, and I, I wonder why. I mean, I think Tom was right to say, you know, he has his agent call him. Yeah. You know what I mean? He wouldn't answer his text, and all of a sudden the uh, uh, Rosenhaus calls, of all people. That, that's fitting, that, that, uh, that pairing. Uh, he was right to say, no, you're not playing. It's a big game for us, but, you know, you quit on us. You're not playing. But I, I, I don't know, um, and the question was not brought up. There were a lot of questions yet to be asked, and they kind of cut it off after half an hour or so. Um, well, why not suspend him so he didn't get paid as opposed to just, if you will, the hockey term, scratching him so that he did get paid? I wonder, if, since it happened so late Sunday morning, can you still suspend the I guy don't that know. late? I don't Because a lot of times we, you know, you, everybody wants to be a general manager in any sport until you start really thinking about the, the, the laws and all the stuff you have to know Union. about when and when you can do things. Yeah. yeah, so I'm not sure what the rule is when you can suspend a guy. Would that have been too late to tell him that he was – Suspended. That's I, a good I point. Don't I don't know. I, I I would like to know why. You know why reward him by getting paid? Not that the money means anything. Uh, anything. You know, of course, he has uh, he has to refurnish his uh, condo in Miami. Um, <laughs> well, as I saw you yesterday, as we were walking into the building, you said he's got to go, and I thought things only got worse afterwards. Once 
the explanation came out. I thought it was more damning to him. And then for him to be sitting there oh. with James Harrison, like two high school idiots uh, on Instagram while that press conference is going on, it, uh, I don't care what it costs against the cap. And it, it, look, it's easy to it's the same thing with the Le'Veon Bell thing when so many fans were just like, get rid of him, wait on it, especially when Connor had a couple of good games in a row. You still, the good thing about the Steelers is they do not knee-jerk react to anything. The organizations that do that are the ones that are always at the bottom of the standings. They got to let this settle and figure out what they want to do. There's nothing they can do right now. You no, cannot you trade can't trade him till March anyway. March, so, but I mean, now's the time to sit and yeah. you know, can fences be mended? Can you get in a room? I think it's beyond that right now. And I think, I think a lot of the team. I know you're close with Tomlin. You did the show with him for years. I think a lot of the teams watching to see what happens here. And I think, I think he's dropped a little bit in the face of some of the players. I think some of his respect in that locker room has been lost over the last week. Uh, it may have, it may have, but I don't think it's irreparable. I think most. I don't either. I think I, I would. I don't know what number to put on it. I think almost all of them have a great deal of respect for him. They may not have respected the way that he treated Antonio Brown, but I would think that the greater anger on the part of the team, the players, and that's what's important here now is directed at Brown, not Tomlin. Yeah, you can say if a kid acts up, what kind of parent is he getting? But at some point, he's 31 years old. And my point has been, Guy, I know that a lot of Tomlin, a lot of people want to blame Tomlin for it being too warm or too cold, and that's fine. I mean, I, I understand that. But I also think that we shouldn't lose our focus. There's one guy that is solely responsible for this, and that's Antonio Brown. And if you want to say, well, they coddled him, they babied him, there wasn't anybody sitting alongside him in that Porsche driving 100 miles an hour up McKnight Road. There wasn't anybody standing alongside him in his condo in Miami tossing furniture out the window. This guy is sick. This guy is completely nuts. And I don't think there can be a come-to-Jesus meeting with him because he's never going to change. It's not going to change. No, but I, I will go back. Remember when he had this series of excessive celebration uh, penalties and, he, and Tomlin was asked way back when, did he say anything? He goes, yeah, I, I've talked to him about a couple. What do you want me to do, bench him? Maybe I benched him a game back then. Maybe not. Maybe the personality disorder is beyond repair and was before he was ever even an NFL football player. Well, actually, but if there was stronger discipline at the beginning, yeah, maybe the, the, so. the more he's allowed to do things, and maybe even then, if maybe even then he gets behind the wheel of that car and thinks, "I better be, I, I better not go ninety miles an hour. I could get banged." Nah. Yeah, I mean, that's I, a stretch. Well, yeah. Look, he's an idiot. That well. You know, he's in it. Look, we've seen many, many, many displays. I loved when he started not cooler. talking except for on Fridays because you know what? On Fridays during football season, I cover high school football, and I didn't have to deal with him anymore. I mean, you know, what was, what's the last meaningful thing he said anyway? Well, he's always out there. That, that, that's my point. I, you know, I think there's only – yeah, I mean, I do agree. Um, the, the actual quote from Tomlin – uh, about what do you want me to do, not play him? That was after the Kansas City playoff game with the Facebook thing. And they had another playoff game next week. And he said, what do you want me to do, not play him? Oh, you know, what would have people said then? I agree that the, they could have been stiffer. I also, I believe this wholeheartedly, that if you're bitching as a player about Antonio Brown now, where were you? When you're complaining about Antonio Brown, about Le'Veon Bell not showing up for the walkthrough, 
about uh, Mitchell screaming at the Jacksonville locker room. You know, they were all complaining about it after the fact. Where were you as a player? Because I believe that player retribution actually has a greater impact. Well, you said often in the last, what was the beginning of all this for the national anthem fiasco in Chicago? I mean, it's been two years of all kinds of junk. How often have you said if Joe Green were in that locker room, a lot of this stuff wouldn't be happening? Uh, that's different not, culture, it, different it world. Is, it is, but but I also think that Stan, other people become empowered by watching what happened. That's why you, 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 okay, he is one of the best, if not the best, receivers in the league. There still has to be some reins pulled in on him because Joe Starkey wrote the call, call him early this year about how much James Conner has changed as a pro compared to dealing with him. Uh, you take a look at Le'Veon Bell. You take a look at James Harrison. Guys getting away with stuff, sleeping in meetings, missing practices, doing that. You let one guy get away with it. I look. I mean, we all grew. We all played high school sports here. You, you know, the star kids got to. If the starting quarterback got caught drinking behind the high school, they would try to cover it up so he didn't have to miss the game Friday. If the backup guard got caught, you know, he's off the team. We, we've been dealing with that since we were teenagers. That's the way the culture goes. But I think when you get the, I think. It, the, the horse is out of the barn and the barn's on fire. And and a lot of the other problems, Juju Smith-Schuster now has become a bit of a diva, in my opinion. Uh, you know, everybody sees all the cuteness and the bicycle story and all that stuff. Uh, deal with him on a regular basis, day in and day out. And I think a lot of this, people see how AB behaves, they see how AB gets treated, and they feel they can do the same thing. Well, that comes into my thought about Mike Munchak, which will um, – I, I think that that could be a partial solution to all this. And By so, the way, he has a daughter and a grandkid that lives in Denver. So that's, I know. That's he has a, family there. Yeah. Um, Arizona, I don't know. Um, but I, I, well, they sniffed around him last year, and I think he was smart enough to realize that uh, that was not bad a place situation. you don't want to go there. Yeah, they fired the, the head coach after Wilkes after one year. But I, I wonder – and I will ask Jerry that first thing out of the box – exactly how much – if at all, does Mike Munchak want to be a head coach? At his age, he seemed burned out in Tennessee. Might have been specific to that situation. Just to see. Yeah. Well, you and I, all those years that Rick Kehoe was an assistant for the Penguins, and we were real close with Rick. And how many times they had coaching changes, and he never got the job, but always stayed as an assistant for years. And you remember talking to him, he goes, I don't want to be a head coach. Yeah, and then, and he, then was, he eventually and he, got to me, and he, I don't think he ever liked it. I mean, no. everybody's not cut out to do it. I wonder if that's the case. Let's ask Jerry Dulac. He'll join us next. It's Stan and Guy Day, Saverin on Sports on ESPN Pittsburgh.